0: Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question how can American Christians live as Christ? in an increasingly hostile culture the way of the persecuted is the harder way and this is the harder way podcast
1: well hello everybody i'm still scott
0: and i'm still maddie and welcome to the harder way podcast in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the all-hands-on-deck mindset, what that is, how persecution fuels that, how we can embrace that mindset now, and why we would even want to.
1: That's great. Yeah, per- because preparing for persecution means we have to be prepared personally, and we have to be prepared corporately. Mm, Cuba yeah. gives us a good example, uh, and I'll talk about that, and China gives us a good example, and you can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, In Cuba, we have some folks we call the old guard. And the old guard are the ones who were were the ones that were around in leadership in the church, active membership in the church. In the early 1960s, when Castro revealed the Marxist nature of the revolution, and literally, surprise, were Marxists. And then everything (laughs) just went against the church really fast. Pastors were being rounded up. They were people who were being killed. They were being thrown in prison. They were being Mm -hmm. forced to renounce their faith. You know, at that time, a lot of the church who was not spiritually ready just went ahead and said, okay, well, we're still with Castro because he's our guy. And they placed their hopes instead of him, in, in him instead of in Jesus.
0: Mm.
1: Castro was
0: their messianic he was figure.
1: Their, he was their messiah. Yeah. He was their deliverer because have some similarities to today. Yeah. And that's an example of why, why it's
0: important not to get political, you guys.
1: Yeah. Just focus on Jesus. Anyway, so a lot of them left the church, but those who stayed endured persecution and what happened was you know their church was like the American church. They had leaders in the church who led, they had pastors who kind of did most of the stuff. Now the pastors are gone. Mm. but our theology says women can't lead or teach. but there's there's no men or there's no women left or there's no, there's men, no left. men left and the only men that are around are brand new believers or they're little kids. Well, so the women had to teach. Mm-hmm. Our theology says there's no miracles. Well, we haven't eaten in four days, and we need food. Pray, food shows up. Well, we believe in miracles now. I mean, so, <laughs> so um, the uh, theology of it all, the the uh, the, uh, the situation really atta- had, um, impacted people's theology. It impacted their uh, personal beliefs. It impacted their you know religious experience. But the thing that we found in Cuba was that they weren't ready. Now they got ready. Yeah. But they weren't ready. And it took a huge toll and it was really, really painful for them. Uh, and so, um, probably, that snapshot of Cuba from that time is not what we want to emulate.
0: Right, because right. we want to be ready and we want to be prepared because when persecution comes, one of the first things that happens is the government or whatever force is doing the restricting will do whatever they can to get rid of the pastors. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they say, well, if the pastors are gone, then the church will be gone.
1: Without a shepherd, the sheep can be easily scattered.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, exactly. Right. And so we see that across across the world currently throughout time that that's a pretty ubiquitous thing is when a government wants to restrict and persecute Christians they will do whatever they can to get rid of the pastors and sometimes that is torture and imprisonment of the pastors sometimes that is as far as martyrdom killing the pastors and sometimes it is enticing the pastors to to flee by saying, hey, nobody's really allowed to leave our country because we're a dictatorship. But hey, pastors, you guys can go if you want.
1: Well, that's happening right now in Cuba. Mm-hmm. And the church is mm-hmm. really, here's what's interesting. The church is suffering a loss of pastors, but the church is doing fine without them. Well, that's, <laughs> How's that
0: going to impact your theology, you guys? Another, <laughs> that's another
1: podcast altogether. Boy, it makes you think. Now, in China when they first had their huge uh, attacks against the church uh, under mao they weren't ready either mm-hmm. and then you know when i was going there quite a bit and or going there you know and, and working towards uh, the chinese ministry late to th- uh, 90s early, early 2000s,
0: 2000s yeah
1: um, the the government kind of let up a little bit So that up until a few years ago, they were starting to have some church buildings. They were meeting openly in restaurants. They were not trying to sneak into their house groups. Yeah, Bibles were hard to get, but they were able to at least have them once they were able to get them. They weren't being confiscated as much.
0: China had created this sort of idea of being more Western. Yeah, And so most of us here in the West were starting to see... China as being more similar to us and being a lot more free and open. and
1: But then they started to see the government starting to crack down. Mm-hmm. Let's say maybe eight years ago, seven yeah. years ago. Okay. What did the Chinese do then? How did they respond this time?
0: Well, this time the Chinese Christians were ready because one thing that they had done, even while uh, it seemed that the persecution was lightening up and that things were going in a more positive direction, they knew... That, that could change and that did change. So what they did was they made sure that in their churches, as the churches grew, that they would break the church up into usually groups of about 20 people and they would have one person. So basically one out of every 20 people in a particular church was ready and prepared to be a pastor was somebody who could shepherd those 20 people or even potentially take over the entire church if they were the only one that was left. But they made sure that there were people in the congregations who were ready that when the pastors were taken away, when the pastors chose to leave, anything like that that happened, the the congregation, the flock would not be left without somebody to shepherd them.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's and that was really 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 prescient of them. You know, and it was it's working out now because they are under we're not getting much news out of China really, but what we are getting it is really severe, severe forced or anything you're hearing about happening to the Uyghurs or to the Falun Gong is happening to Christians just as much. Mm-hmm. Um it's bad. It's it's forced organ harvesting, it's labor camps, it's Disappearing and never being seen again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's bad really stuff. Really dark stuff. Yeah. It's really dark stuff. And so, number one, remember to pray for your brothers and sisters in in chains in China. Uh, and, and 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 beyond as well. You know, North Korea makes China look like a like a day camp. Ugh, yeah, You know, I mean, uh, so it's rough. And then in the Muslim countries, many of them, it's pretty terrible for Christians. Afghanistan is so awful right now for Christians. Uh,
0: act- well, I was, I was going to say, actually, this is this past year was the first year since I believe the creation or the inception of North Korea, that it has not been number one on the list of uh, the place that's most dangerous for Christians. This past year, Afghanistan actually took that number one spot. That's how bad things are for Christians right now. So if you can imagine what North Korea is like and how horrible that is, imagine that Afghanistan is now being ranked as more dangerous for Christians than North Korea.
1: Right. And when we say danger, we don't mean, you know, discomfort or inconvenience. We're no. talking about rape, murder, torture, great yes. great suffering beyond yeah. what we think about. It's it's really awful. So, think about our brothers and sisters in chains, especially those in Afghanistan, North Korea, China, even Iran right now. The church mm-hmm. is really growing and flourishing in Iran, but you know, the government is really against them as well, and they're doing, doing everything they can to make sure that the the beautiful uh, Persian people do not cry out the name of Jesus.
0: Well, and this, this episode will be coming out on Good Friday, a couple days before Easter. And on Easter Sunday especially, I feel that it's important to just remember to be praying for our brothers and sisters around the world, who many of them are risking their lives to meet together in fellowship with each other uh, in remembrance of, of Christ's resurrection. It's so it's always, it's always important to do that. And I think that um, it's something that we always want to remind our listeners of is to be praying for our brothers and sisters in chains. Uh, but specifically this weekend, um, yeah, really just just pray for them.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting on that same idea. I'm about to reference scripture and, and, and talk a little bit about the Bible uh, and, and about how it, and, and instructs us on this on these issues that mm-hmm. we're talking about today. Keep in mind that our persecuted brothers and sisters probably don't have a Bible. Yeah. They most likely can't get their hands on one. Mm-hmm. And even if they could, it's life and death to, to, to own it, or it's it's so expensive they can't afford it. Um, and so that's why we're involved in, in this Bible courier ministry, and that's why we take Bibles into the persecuted churches, because we understand that, that if we can only give them one thing,
0: the most important thing we can give is them the Bible. is the Bible. And
1: second and, and equal to that is prayer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything after that is gravy. But prayer in the Bible, if you ask them what they want, they'll tell you, just pray for us and get us Bibles. We'll do the rest. Mm-hmm. Right? So keep that in mind. Um, so as we think about um, uh, this persecution, these things don't happen in a vacuum. God usually sends warnings Mm -hmm. Um, he's always done this. If you go back to the book of Judges, there's seven cycles in the book of Judges and the cycles are basically everybody's living well with God. Then they tend to like start getting involved with idols, marrying Mm -hmm. foreign women who lead them into idolatry Um, and then they start to turn away from God, turn to false gods. God sends a prophet to warn them. Then they say, yeah, okay, maybe they straighten up for a second but then they go right back to it and they keep going along. And Then God lifts his hand. He doesn't, we always say he sends a punishment but it's really more like he lifts his hand off of that nation mm-hmm. and then the enemies of that nation come and just kind of uh, someone that once described it as right riding roughshod yeah. over the over the nation then the people call out go God you forgot about us we're your people what have you done and he's like I didn't forget about you you forgot about me <laughs> and then yeah. but but since you're calling me if you want to turn back to me that's cool we can forget about the whole thing and move on yeah he's so good that way Mm-hmm. So the people say, fine, we come back to you, Lord. Please, for, please forgive us. We're back in right relationship with you. Because remember, they were the, the Jews were a covenant people. And God had promised to keep both halves of the covenant. So when they got out of the covenant, he, it was his responsibility to get them back into it. That's what mm-hmm. he was doing. Well, fast forward into today's culture. And God still sends prophets to warn us. And I believe that he sent us a prophet named COVID.
0: Hmm. Yes,
1: COVID was a powerful, powerful prophet, and many people misunderstood the purpose of of COVID. So let me just make an apolitical, um, uh, ascientific statement. Purely
0: spiritual statement. Purely spiritual
1: statement about COVID. God allowed COVID as a messenger to his church to get their head on straight and to get their house in order. Hmm, We are so consumed with building castles for ourselves, with competing with other churches, with financial idolatry, nothing With entertaining wrong. people, with with inter- the idol, the idols of this day—look right, act right, feel right, do yep. right. These are the these are the idols of the modern age. Have the right stuff, go the right places, think the right things. COVID comes along; it's our chance for God's glorious bride in America to sprint. We're going to run, and it's like our shoes were tied together. Yeah. We just took a step and fell flat on our faces for the most part.
0: Well, I think because, like the Cubans in the 1960s, we were not prepared. Mm-mm. You know, unlike the Chinese, we didn't have a situation set up where we could just easily split off into smaller groups. There, sadly to say, this is it's very sad, but even in very large churches, there are usually not very many people and Uh, hard as it is to say, some, there may be none, uh, that are able or ready to lead a church or to lead a small group of Christians because they don't know God's word, they're not spiritually mature, and it's not something that they would even say yes to. And so when we are talking about being prepared, we can look at COVID and say, yeah, clearly we weren't and aren't Prepared for this kind of a situation, a persecution that could take away um, pastors and leaders. And our
1: ability to meet together Mm -hmm. could divide us along political lines, which is what happened in COVID.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think we still see that happening even outside of COVID. Politics is being used right now in a very sinister way to divide Christians against each other. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is, and uh, or divide us, you know. And also, Marxism has is, is has infiltrated the church in many ways. But one way it's infiltrated the church is in this division of races.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I just want to say that there's a there's a new movement that's uh, their, their message is one race, many colors, and that is scientific fact. Race is a social construct. Mm-hmm. We are all one race. We are the Adamic race. We are the descendants of mm-hmm. Father Adam and Mother Eve, or Grandpa Adam and Grandma Eve, straight from them to us. And there we, is
0: neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free.
1: I'm quoting that Bible again, <laughs> showing your <laughs> we're all showing your all one in Christ Jesus. <laughs> yeah, showing your your Christian privilege from America. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, as we think about COVID, though, and we think about how it was a prophetic messenger to us, and we think about preparation. A great example that no one ever talks about. And I only know about this because I had a student in one of my classes I was teaching who was a pastor from Ethiopia.
0: Mm, and yes, I was just thinking about this story it, this morning, actually. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and, and so there was a time period in Ethiopia called the Dirge. And during the Dirge, communists took over Ethiopia. And so um, Christians were, at that time, they were required to... Uh, basically, what they did was, well, let me give you the. They, they wound up, every Christian wound up doing a couple of years in of prison. And basically, what I was told was they weren't really killing Christians, but they needed slave labor. So they would just kind of rotate through the Christians. Wow. And every, every man would go to prison for 18 months, get out, live for a couple, you know, for yeah. a while, go back to prison.
0: That was just par for the course. I mean, there That's was some
1: persecution. Was. There was some being put to death. I mean, there was some of that. It wasn't, but it was kind of a weird kind of a thing as well. But what's interesting is. In that nation, prior to the dirge happening, God rose up a prophet. He he rose up a person who said, Persecution is coming to Ethiopia. Mm. And he spread the message. And here's the weird thing everybody believed him. Wow. Right? That's
0: the part that's hard to believe that everybody believed him. Because
1: normally prophets are like, Hey, listen, that's a great message, dude. We're going to have to draw and quarter you now. Yeah.
0: Ain't that the truth?
1: But. so so then, what happened was people got together and they said, "Well, how are we going to learn?" So a group of pastors went to Czechoslovakia. It used to be that used to, was not Czech and Slovak back then. It was Czechoslovakia, one country under the Soviets, or just just through the just past the Soviet age, right at the end of it. There, and this would have been in the '70s, so it was during the Soviet age still. And they went to um, uh, Czechoslovakia and they began meeting with Christians. It took them a while to actually get some Christians to trust them because they kept thinking it was a setup from the government. Oh, wow. They finally got some Christians to trust them. And they said, so how do you do church? How do you stay off the radar? How do you keep growing in Christ during persecution? And so the Czechs explained to them how you have meetings, uh, how you break up into small groups, how you train small Mm. leaders, all the things that you do.
0: and some of the things we were just talking about.
1: And so then they went back to Ethiopia, and they trained all the leaders so that when the persecution came, the church was able to go underground, but grow, thrive, and flourish. And when the persecution lifted, the church emerged bigger and stronger and healthier than before. Wow. Yeah. We saw the Chinese church between their first huge time of persecution and now this second huge time of persecution that some are saying are worse than the first one. That little short period in between where it was still persecution, but not, was kind of persecution-like. To a light. different extent, yeah. It was more restriction-type uh, stuff. And uh, even then we saw that the church had grown incredibly under persecution. And I believe even now it's growing. Yeah. Uh, and in Cuba we see the same thing. Um, we see that persecution being a context for growth. So let's talk a little bit about what we're already... We're already 17 minutes into this, but let's talk for a minute about what it is that happens when the church is persecuted and the people adjust that makes the difference.
0: Well, we use the phrase at the beginning of this episode, an all hands on deck mindset. Mm. And when persecution comes and your pastors and your leaders are gone, for whatever reason that may be, something happens where you realize if nobody else is going to do it, we have to do it.
1: Right. Before that, prior to that, and think about this. You think about your local church context, and you know what I'm saying is true here. There's people that sit around saying, somebody's got to do something. Someone's got to start a program. Someone needs to fix the lawn. Someone needs to do, right? So, and that usually means the pastor. Yeah. Right? And, but what happens when the pastor's taken away? Somebody needs to train the youth. Uh, there's no one to do it but me. Mm-hmm. So then you are faced with the choice. Do I train the youth or do I turn, yeah. turn close my eyes and walk away? And people choose both. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so when we're talking about this mindset of all hands on deck that happens during persecution, it basically means that everybody that's there is an active participant. Everybody that's there... Uh, is doing what they can to be prepared if and when some of the pastors and leaders are gone. Mm. That everybody takes that personal responsibility that as a member of the body of Christ, if they're called upon, they will accept that call. And I think that if we look at the COVID situation here in the United States, we can see that we didn't have people that were ready to accept that call. We didn't have people that were ready to uh, have that all-hands-on-deck mindset and just jump in and do the things that had to be done. We had a lot of people who were making decisions out of fear. We had a lot of people who were making decisions uh, out of their own spiritual immaturity or ignorance, meaning I can't you know, help with these things because I've never even read my Bible. Right. Because how many people are there in our churches that the only Bible they're exposed to is the couple of verses in a sermon on a Sunday?
1: Yeah, think about it like this. Um, think about the fact that, that most, a lot of people come to church, and they wouldn't admit this, but they really have a consumer mentality. Mm, so let's yes. say that church is like going to a fast food restaurant. So I, let's say that I eat three meals a day at McDonald's, and bizarrely I'm very healthy. <laughs> so I ate three meals a day at McDonald's, and then one day, they close McDonald's. Okay, and they say no more McDonald's, and they say no other restaurants are going to be open. So now I have a choice: either I make my own food, or I starve. Or you starve to death, right? Yeah. And so this is what happens when the persecuted church, or when persecution comes, is people realize there's nobody feeding me anymore. Mm. Nobody's making my food. Nobody's frying my hamburger. Uh making my milkshake. How am I? I'm going to have to figure out a way to do it myself. Yeah. Or I'm going to starve. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that we don't correlate being fed at the church, and a lot of people aren't getting fed at church.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. And so
1: we think of it more as like something that we add on, like going to baseball practice. And baseball practice, baseball's now been outlawed. There's no more baseball anymore, and you're kind of like, well, okay, I'll play football.
0: Right. But and you don't we, have... We saw that a lot during COVID with people who were like, oh, well, I can't go to church anymore. Okay, I guess I'll just do something else on Sundays. Right. You know? And some of those people have not come back.
1: So I think that... I want to read really quickly from uh, Isaiah because I don't want to... I think... And we, we agree on this. We don't want to bring up these problems. Um, we want to... Um, we want to really think about what's the solution, and the solutions are simple. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to our podcast, you may have heard some before, but let me start reading in Isaiah 6. And this is Isaiah's first encounter with Almighty God. Okay, He says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. "'Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. "'And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. "'And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. "'And I said, Woe is me!' And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Mm. And he said, go. And I think that there, therein lies the key to how we prepare ourselves or get people prepared for persecution Mm -hmm. and to be all hands on deck. Yeah. Isaiah had an encounter with almighty God. Yes. He had a he was touched by him, he had an encounter with him and then he recognized who he was, what his purpose was and he said, "I'm not capable. God make me capable."
0: Yes. Right? Yeah. He, I'm
1: not capable. I'm a, I'm a I'm a bad I'm a bad man." Yeah. And the Lord said, "Poof, burn his lips, not anymore. Now go and tell him. Now go." <laughs> All right. Stay okay? your turn to go. And so that's what we have to do. For the people in our churches, the people in our Bible studies, the people in our sphere of influences, we have to help them have an encounter with Almighty God. Mm -hmm. Maddie, how do we do that?
0: Well, if we've said it once, we've said it a hundred times in just the few episodes we've done so far, which is encountering God through His Word.
1: Abiding in Christ. Abiding in
0: Christ through His Word. Um It's a big problem when only the pastors know the Bible, Mm. and that's something that I think we saw a lot of in COVID. I think it's something that we have seen in persecuted countries when they're encountering their first major persecution, that oftentimes the pastors are the only ones that know the Bible, and if the Bibles get taken away, and then the pastors who know the Bible get taken away, what happens to the church if there's nobody there who knows the Word of God?
1: And the pastors who don't get taken away are going to be the ones who compromise, who do what the government says, who play along, mm. go along to get along. And those guys are probably, and gals probably don't know the word of God Anyway,
0: Anyway. well, and that's the thing. Sometimes even the pastors don't even necessarily know God's word that well. So, the number one most important thing, if we want to prepare for persecution and if we want to embrace and get the benefits of this all hands on deck mindset now, we have to know the word. We have to be familiar with it. We have to memorize it. We have to understand what it says and we have to make it an active part of our life. Which is it's a big aspect of the second thing that is part of how we can uh, prepare and embrace this mindset is to have a dynamic spiritual life ourselves.
1: Well, let me let me go back real quick because uh, on the word, if I were to give someone advice, because you know you or I, you could take all of our Bibles away, any Bible recordings, and we could lead a ministry biblically and with and by re- referencing and quoting scripture for years. Mm, yeah. Right. Because that's what we do all the time. We're in the word all the time. This is part. This is our ministry. We're we know we're taking the word to persecuted Christians. We're doing all those things. So, so we we're we're in there, but not everybody is. And I would say, really camp out in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters five, mm, uh, yeah. six, and seven. Really camp out in John 15, 16, and 17. Better off to start in 13, but, but 13 through 17, or at least 15 through 17. Know those know those accounts from Jesus. Really be in um, uh, Romans 6, 7, and 8, yeah. and, and or perhaps 1, 2, and 3 as well. And especially go to 12, which where Paul breaks down the marks of a true Christian.
0: Mm-hmm. If you just camp, you out, on stuff,
1: live. <laughs> you camp yeah. out on that stuff, camp um, out on that stuff, Commit to read a book of the Bible fifty times. Read Philippians fifty times or Colossians fifty times. Get that into there's, you know, there's so much in there. And if you do that, and they take all the Bibles away, you're still going to be able to lead. But we've got to get people in the Word. They've got to have a dynamic spiritual life. Go on, Matty, what you were saying. They
0: have to have a dynamic spiritual life, which I think starts foundationally with reading the Word. But from there, praying, worshiping, thanking the Lord, praising Him for who He is, mm. really having a deep Personal relationship with him, Mm. knowing him, not just knowing about him. And I think that that allows us to shift from a they should to an I'm going to mentality.
1: Oh, that's good. From a they should to To an an I'm I'm going going to mentality. Right. Very good. We
0: mentioned that earlier that people oftentimes go to church and they're thinking, oh, they should do this, they should do that, they should start this program, blah, 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 blah. But When If we want to be prepared for taking up whatever call God has for us, we have to shift from a they should to an I'm going to. Something that most people don't think about is that many times when we have something in our head that's like, oh, they should do this, oftentimes we're one of the only people that's actually thinking about that thing. And that's actually a burden that God has placed on our hearts. Right. But we're in this mindset of, oh, somebody else should do it. The pastor needs to do it. Somebody else needs to do that. Instead of saying, well, God's placed this burden on me. And of course, you know, while the pastors are still around and, you know, of course, uh, being in mind that they are, You know, following the Bible and and not compromising, we of course would say always remain in uh, submission to the spiritual authority that's over you. We're not telling you to, you know, (laughs) try to do anything. Don't go freelance. Yeah, exactly. But saying if you feel like something needs to be done, going and doing it, and that leads us into, I think, the really the big thing, and this goes with saying, "Here I am, Lord, send me," which is remaining open to whatever god has for you because i think that we can tend to put ourselves in boxes because as people we really love categories Mm. and they know that i think is why we have a lot of the issues we have today because we like to categorize people you're on this side i'm on this side and you know we're enemies
1: that's how we think that's
0: how we think and we can do that to ourselves Well, I'm not really that good in front of people. Well, I'm not really that good at uh, organizing things or I'm not really that good at whatever it may be. And so we say, well, I couldn't lead anybody. I couldn't shepherd anybody. I couldn't disciple anyone. You know, if my pastor was gone, I couldn't, you know, fill those shoes while he was gone or take up that gauntlet. But we, you know, we have to remain open to whatever God has for us because if God is calling us to something and if He places us in a situation where, you know, for such a time as this, that we're the ones that are intended to fulfill these purposes, we have to trust and believe that He is going to equip us with whatever it is that we need to fulfill uh, those roles and those tasks.
1: And I think there is no. Overestimating the worth of a Christian simply willing to say, Lord, I'm not up to the task, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not holy enough, but I'm available. Mm. So break out the hot coals and burn my lips, cause here am I, send me. Mm-hmm. You will be shocked. Remember God always, always uses, or I should say God delight seems appears to delight in using the least
0: mm.
1: and the weakest.
0: Yep, read the Bible. So it's if, f- filled with accounts of God using the unlikeliest of people.
1: So And so perhaps that's you. But right now, we need to shout the clarion call, all hands, all hands on, on deck, deck, because things are getting worse and not better, and they can mm-hmm. get really bad really quickly. And of course, we're still praying for the third great awakening, or, or maybe the fourth great awakening, if the, Depending Jesus, on your if the Jesus movement was the third. Yeah. We're praying for another great awakening. We're praying for... God's people to get on their knees and to repent and for this entire nation to change direction and become the bright light, the shining city on a hill that that I think it's intended to be. But if not, we want to be ready for what comes the other way. And even if it never comes, we want to live as though it is coming because the best form of Christianity, the mm. best version of you and me as Christians is found when we live like the way the persecuted Christians have learned to follow Jesus and when we emulate the Lord himself.
0: Absolutely. So if you can take one thing away from this episode, uh, it's to read your word, be prepared in the, be prepared in the word and to have a, a heart that says, here am I, Lord, send me.
1: Here am I, Lord, send me. Well, God bless you guys.
0: We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to The Harder Way Podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.